0: and welcome back to another episode of the Employee to Boss podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. It is with one of my good friends, Vince Warnock. Vince and I connected, I think on Facebook, so long ago in my early stages of business. And it was really when I was trying to build my community because I will say this time and time again, podcasting is all about building a community. Having your own business is all about building a community. So when I connect with Vince, I was literally blown away because I feel like he knew everyone. He had so many connections. Every time I talked to him, I just felt so inspired. And since then, I've continued to feel inspired by Vince. We chat on Zoom every few months or so, and it's just so amazing to catch up. Vince is located in New Zealand, and honestly, one of the best things that came out of starting my own business in the time of the pandemic, even though there were struggles, it definitely opened the entire world up to connecting with each other virtually way more. And so I just think it's so awesome to be able to connect with someone way, way across the world and be able to interview them and have conversations with them on my podcast. So a little bit about Vince. Vince helps people build and grow their businesses that they've always dreamed of. So in this episode, he really talks about how he was making lots of money working in corporate. He had the amazing office in a high-rise building in New Zealand. And he did not feel fulfilled. And when he went to go quit his job, his boss was like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're making so much money here. Maybe we should get you some help. And he was like, no, I'm not helping people. And ever since then, that's what he set out to do. That's what he came to this earth to do. He came here to actually help people. He also tells the story of the first time that he really, really helped one of his clients when he first started his business and he felt fulfilled in his career for the first time ever, which the way he tells it is just so beautiful. So Vince is also a podcast host. His podcast is called Chasing the Insights. I was a guest so long ago on there. I'll put the link in the show notes. But as well as being a podcast host, he's also an author, an award-winning business and marketing coach, and a strategist. He also now helps people become authors. So definitely check out his website, and he talks a little bit about that in the episode. He also teaches people about NFTs, and that is something that I think is so cool It's definitely something I want to start learning a little bit more about from him. So all of these will be in the show notes, but get ready to just feel so empowered by Vince. I remember the very first time Vince and I ever got on a connection call, I got off the call and I was like, okay, time to go write my book, time to go, you know, hit that new milestone in my business, time to go do this, and... I just am so thankful that he joined me on the episode today, and I really hope you all enjoy. Be sure to subscribe to the Employee to Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and be sure to slide in my DMs and let me know what you think. I love hearing from all of you. It really keeps me going with this show. So let's get right into this episode with my friend, Vince Warnock. Vince, welcome to the Employee to Boss podcast. I am so excited for you to share all of your knowledge with the audience today. Every time I talk to you, I get off the call feeling so inspired. Oh,
1: Likewise, (laughs) by the way. I'm just super excited to be here because you and I get to catch up, which doesn't happen anywhere near enough, but we get to do a podcast off it, so that's handy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I am super excited. I feel like every time I talk to you, you have something new going on that still matches your business, (laughs) but it's just like so exciting like whether it be an nft or an event or a new book or a new client like you have a lot going on so this is going to be good
1: cool let's let's dive in
0: yeah so let's talk about how you got to be your own boss really like what did that journey look like and you used to have a really cool job before so i'd love to (laughs) i'd love to talk about that
1: yeah well, just to give you a very quick background, um, like going all the way back to my childhood for a moment, many, many years ago, I actually grew up in a really difficult environment. So I grew up in a very impoverished area in New Zealand here, which is where I'm based. Uh, we grew up in poverty, um, but I also grew up in a very abusive household. Um, so my father was a, a drug addict. My mother was an alcoholic. Um, and as a result, I was kind of subjected to abuse consistently as a child. Um, which is not to say that for sympathy or anything, but just to paint a picture of I had to learn how to survive. And my first ever business um, came from that. My first ever business was when I was 11 years old. Um, Now, please don't judge me on this. I had no moral compass at the time. I had no parents that could guide me in the way that, you know, is right or anything. I just basically sold pirated video games and um, software Uh, back in the days of the Commodore 64. It used to be real easy. Used to just basically dub the tapes. Um, You dub them and then you can sell them to people because they're all on cassette tape and made a lot of money from that. I made enough money to keep myself alive. And by that, I mean... Um, when I was seven, uh, because I have five sisters and a brother, we lived in a very small house, we had no money. And my father decided that that was it, I was going to go and live basically out on the back lawn, he got an old caravan with no electricity, no insulation, nothing. And he just said, there you go, you can live in that now. Um, So I used to wake up in winter with like ice forming on my chest. Um, It was honestly a miracle that I actually survived all of that. So Learning to build, build my own business was a way to learn to survive. Um, so I, in the middle of the night, used to get out there and dig a trench from under my caravan to under the house so I could actually wire it up. I learned when I was seven how to wire up a, a, a caravan. So I could wire and put some power in there and everything. And then my first business paid for me to get a heater, paid for me to get a TV and a, VCR, a VHS, you know, VCR. Um, because I like to be entertained. And then from that, my career, once I kind of finished at school, I really was a mishmash of both corporate life and entrepreneurship. And I come off the back of selling my largest ever company, which was Common Legis. So that was a multi eight figure exit after about probably three and a half years of extreme stress and anxiety. Um, but then I, I had the cool job that you referenced, which was. Uh, I ended up at Cigna Insurance as the chief marketing officer. And I was at Cigna for five years. And on paper, that was the dream job. Um, you know, I left my own company. In fact, we sold my own company to go and join there. Um, other pay was ridiculous. Um, the opportunities we got there were incredible. You got to work on some amazing projects. I got to do some really advanced AI-based projects that I knew were the first in the world to do this kind of thing. And, and that was really exciting to me. Uh, I got to speak on stages all over the world and fly everywhere to teach about some of the stuff that I was doing and teach my methodologies that I'd learned over the years of being in marketing and building businesses and that. Um, I also got the results, um, took it from when I started there, I think the online sales were pretty much nothing. It was about 1% maybe of the overall revenue. By the time I finished it, it was around about 50%. Um, So doubling the revenue of a Fortune 100 company certainly puts you in a good light and gets you recognized internally and externally Uh, To the point where amongst, you know, a number of awards that we won, um, I actually got selected by Adobe as one of the top 50 marketers in the world, which was a a huge honor. Uh, Published my first book when I was there as well. Had this amazing office, like honestly, beautiful harbor views there. Had my Mad Men style whiskey cabinet. I I do like my whiskey cabinet. Uh, Mad Men style whiskey cabinet in the corner and sat at my desk feeling incredibly guilty because I was miserable and didn't want my job. And this was a really weird conflict within me because I knew that every marketer, this was like the pinnacle of what you could achieve. You know, you're a CMO of a Fortune 100 company, man. That in itself is huge, but I didn't want the job. Um, I, I felt really, really unfulfilled. So making the transition from that into my next kind of journey in life, my next phase was a really simple, difficult decision, if that makes sense. It's the easiest hard decision I've ever made in my life because... I remember coming home. I was literally writing a list in the office of why my job is so good and why I should be so happy and why I'm not. And I remember coming home and, and Leanne, my wife, you know, we've been married 27 years. She just turned around and looked at me and said, you're not happy there at all, are you? And I went, no. And she goes, we need to make a change, don't we? I said, yeah. Um, so that was about November, December 2019. I had to have a talk to the CEO and just say, that's it I think it's time for me to move on she went nope <laughs> I went yep and she goes no uh, and I said look I'm going to leave and become a full-time author that was the plan originally um, and she thought I was having a breakdown so I asked if I needed a psychologist and she goes I don't understand Vince do you know how much we pay you and I'm like yeah I know how much you pay me but it's not about the money and she goes I really don't understand I'm like that's partially why I'm leaving um, so left there in January 2020 in the end um, and the goal was to become a full-time author that lasted about one week uh, because I realized uh, having ADHD and writing one book full-time is just not great for your mental health at all. So I um, transitioned very quickly into launching my own publishing company into uh, launching my podcast and becoming a, a marketing and visibility coach um, and then from there I I still remember actually Haley I, I was sitting down with one of my clients I just had it was during lockdown because the pandemic kind of hit the world just after I'd made this decision to go into my own business and everything. Um, and pandemic hit the world. And I was sitting down with one of my clients who was a mess. They were like, I, I don't even know if we're going to exist in two months time. it's like, oh, we can't do this. We've got the same overheads we always have. We've got no income coming in. So I transitioned them to online. They were a, a bricks and mortar store. Transitioned them to online, worked with them, empowered them to be able to create their own website. I didn't do it for them um gotten set up on shopify got all this stuff they ended up making more money in fact we were on the call where they realized they were making more money online than they've ever made in their bricks and mortar store and we were replicating the sense of community that they had actually created amongst their their uh, audience and they were so proud of themselves and the look on their face was just the sense of accomplishment and i felt this really weird bubbly feeling on the inside And i'm like what what is this feeling? Th- this is this is really unfamiliar. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling fulfilled. Oh, <laughs> that's a feeling I haven't felt in a very long time. So it kind of was a natural transition into all of this. And you, it, as you said, I've been kind of I, I do a lot of different things all the time. You know, I transition from one thing to another, all aligned with my business. But I'm always looking at new ways to help my clients, new ways to to build their businesses and things. But it's because I get to have so much fun with this now. I'm at the stage of my life where I'm thoroughly enjoying everything I'm doing, which is which is very, very rare. So it's just been an absolute blessing.
0: Do you want to start growing your business rapidly in a really fun way? Do you want to increase your visibility and profits? I have just the thing for you my course great guesting how to grow your business through being a podcast guest is now available and it's guaranteed to get you on podcasts do you want to connect with more clients share your story make stronger connections and grow your audience but do you find that you're second guessing yourself are indecisive on a topic because you're into so many things and thinking, is this even possible? You'll love this step-by-step guide on how to be a podcast guest. We go over six lessons that are knowing your story, narrowing down the topic, finding podcasts to be on, setting up your audio, preparing to record, and of course, marketing, because that's what I'm all about. Being a guest can be fun, but if you don't have a plan to go with it, you're really just spending the hour talking you're not moving your business forward and that's exactly what this course is designed to teach you you can find this course on my website at espresso podcast production and i guarantee you that you will be a guest on podcasts in no time that's such an amazing story vince like i think it's really hard for a lot of people to leave their corporate jobs When they are making that paycheck, even if it isn't like an insane amount of money, sometimes it's just like that consistency that people really rely on. And as entrepreneurs, it's you have to be comfortable with little consistency, right? Like you might sign a contract with a client that could be a year long, six months, but after that six months, like what does your life look like (laughs) after that? So there's a lot of consistency that I think people are scared of when they jump into entrepreneurship but for you it seems no. like it was like you know your boss was like no you can't leave and you were like I need to <laughs>
1: yeah. I
0: need to do this
1: I mean I do think the pandemic is this is going to sound really random and forgive me to everyone here has been negatively impacted by the the pandemic but the pandemic's kind of made that decision a lot easier yeah. for some people so and the reason for that is I think it, it you know we talk about it being almost like the great reset you know we talk about the the yeah. the you know great resignation etc but I think what it is is people have suddenly realized what's actually important to them and this was a decision that I had to do I had to work out what was important to me was it um having that security of you know regular paycheck and and not even having to look at your bank account because it's like okay um or was it actually making a difference in the world and uh I the thing I realized was I was doing this job almost like, it almost felt like it was an acting gig, because I felt like I wasn't being myself. I'm someone who uh, is driven by helping other people. I'm someone who is driven by um, seeing that sense of accomplishment on somebody else's face. I mean, a lot of this goes back to my, my childhood, um, Haley. You know, like I said, I grew up in that environment where you didn't really have hope. You know, you were pretty much resigned to the fact you were going to be a statistic, uh, we lived right near two of the major gangs um, in the neighborhood who were always, you know, in conflict with each other. So I'm surrounded by violence. I'm surrounded by abuse. I'm surrounded by poverty. Um, you didn't see a way out of that. It wasn't until I was 11 when I was at, um, we, we have a thing called intermediate school, which is for two years, age 11 and 12. And it's like a transitional school. And I had this teacher who, to this day, has had probably one of the, most, the biggest impacts on my life. He was just an incredible human being and i remember i was a smart ass kid a really smart ass kid uh, i was very bright in a very impoverished neighborhood uh, so i was very bored all the time but we had to do these school projects and um you know being 11 i was doing mine on sharks i think it was or something cool like that and he said oh don't forget you got to do an oral presentation and i'm like Duff. he goes what was that noise and i said well when are we going to get to do an oral presentation and he goes what do you mean i said why do we have to do this and he goes well it'll prepare you for Life, that's you know, for when you have to do oral presentations in your job. And I mean, when are any of us going to do an oral presentation in our jobs?
0: Oh, look like at that. you now.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he goes, Well, how about now? And I went, What? And he goes, Come up the front. And he put me in front of everyone. He's trying to teach me a lesson in a kind of, it sounds really mean, but it was in a kind of loving way. And he goes, Right, Vince is going to talk for five minutes, class. What's he going to talk on? And someone yelled out, an egg, because, you know, they're 11-year-olds. They're really creative. (laughs) So so I had to speak for five minutes on an egg. And I remember it was such a surreal uh, moment because I was petrified. I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to do this. And he goes, right, you got 20 seconds to prepare. And really, he thought I was going to crumble straight away or chicken out doing it. Uh, But I don't like being told I can't do something. So I'm standing up there going, I've got 20 seconds to prepare. And the only thing that went through my head was, that saying, which came first, the chicken or the egg? So that's what came out of my mouth when he goes, your time starts now. And then my brain went to this other space. I I can't even describe it. It was just words started flowing out of me and I kept talking. And I realized if I kind of pull on that thread, everyone would laugh. And I pull on that thread, everyone would go, "Mm," and all this. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm like generating this response from, from my classmates. This is incredible. And I don't remember anything that I said in that middle part. All I remember is what came first, the chicken or the egg, and the last thing I ever said on there. Because he goes, you got 20 seconds left and the end, and I finished with, so obviously the chicken came first. I have no idea why the chicken came first. But anyway, it made sense in the context of this. Everyone cracked up laughing, they're all roaring. And I was buzzing. And I turned around, and this teacher looked at me, and he said, that was awesome. And I said, oh, thanks. And he goes, no, no, listen to me. That was amazing. He said, you have a gift. Do you realize you could do something really significant with your life? And those are words I had never, ever heard before. And there was a feeling on the inside, that bubbly feeling, that fulfilled feeling, but it was this sense of hope, and it was a sense of, I don't have to be defined by what I live in, and... It really did trigger two things to me one it triggered two journeys i should say one of them was a journey to not be defined by my past and not be defined by what i grew up with uh it was important to me to break through all of that which is why you know having your own jobs and having your having your own companies rather gives you that sense of independence so you're not defined by someone but also it made me realize i need to help other people to have that feeling that same feeling that i had and when you're sitting you know in in the top floor of the largest building in your city you know, with these amazing harbor views and this madman style whiskey cabinet, and you realize I'm not helping a single person. I'm helping this company make a lot of money. And I'm helping, I'm sort of, if you squint, you can go, well, I'm kind of helping people in the time of need, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not directly impacting any single person there. That made me feel that sense of unfulfillment. And I'm like, okay, I need to get back to what's important to me. And I think the pandemic has caused a lot of people to do that, to go, hey, let's reassess, you know, like, the job that I thought was security, the, that paycheck that I thought was going to be coming in all the time, isn't guaranteed. And a lot of companies, in fact, even, even Signal Insurance laid off two thirds of their staff after the pandemic hit. Um, so you know, it was all those people that thought they had a, a safe job suddenly were, instead of working from home, were just sitting at home going, well, now what do I do? So that's why I think a lot of people are finding it a little bit easier to transition from that into creating their own business. But of course, the only problem with that is they're going to carry all the baggage that they had from corporate life into their own business as well. And a lot of the fear and a lot of the insecurity and a lot of the imposter syndrome that's going to scream at you, trust me on that one. But you've got what it takes. That's the key thing.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I know so many people who started their businesses during the pandemic, like mine included. And I totally agree what you said. Like, Even though the pandemic obviously was terrible, it was very good for people's transitions in life, you know, to having their own business and kind of like seeing what their full potential is. Yeah. So I want to talk more about this company that you brought online totally. And you said that you helped (laughs) them build their community online, almost like a storefront store. Yep. Building a network and building a community, I think is another thing that really scares people. Like, how do I meet people? People always ask me, where do I find my clients? I'm like, like (laughs) Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, like those places. And they're like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) (laughs) When we connected Vince, like, I felt like you knew everyone in business. (laughs) Like, I felt like you knew everyone. And I would love to hear about like, how you actually built your online community. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. So online community is everything. It really is. When you're an entrepreneur, having your own network and having your own community is really important. And one of the first things you're going to have to break through, by the way, is seeing other people as competition. There is no competition to you. You are you, right? So anybody out there, if they're in the same area as you, the same field as you, they are your network. And it's really important you get your mind around that because you need to build that as fast as you possibly can. You need to connect with as many people. And that's a lot of hard work in the early days of your business. Um, We talk about the hustle and grind, and I'm very anti-hustle and grind mentality. I'm very about being an intentional entrepreneur. But let's face it, there is a grinding element to that. You need to do the work to build those relationships. And then you need to build your community, which is your potential audience as well. And for me, it's all about giving uh, and giving value and adding value to people. So. From a community perspective, one of the first things I did, set up my Facebook group, invite in people that I knew straight away and go, come get the numbers up. It looks terrible. I don't want five people in there. Um, And then just started inviting people in by creating events in there. And the events were me talking about various different things, doing free workshops and free masterclasses on various different topics. And that was what intrigued people. They're going, hey, actually, this person's adding value to me. I'll come into this community. When they get in there, they find a whole pile of people that are really supportive. They find me, I'm, I'm their biggest cheerleader. I'm the one carrying the biggest pom-poms in there, just going, hey, you guys are amazing. Um, but the principle was add value to them. And I've had conflicts with this with some of my advisors um, in the past. In fact, I fired an advisor just based on the fact that they they saw me do a PR uh, workshop in my Facebook group, and I I outlined every aspect of PR. Like I I broke it down in this workshop and showed you how you can do a lot of this stuff yourself. Broke a lot of the myths in the PR industry that really did annoy a few PR people. But that's okay. The, the good ones weren't annoyed. But the one of my advisors saw that, and he just went, oh, Vince, this you've got to stop. He said that value you gave to people there that that workshop first of all that could have been five or six workshops it could have been an entire course that you could have sold to people and i went well i don't want to sell it to people it's not my main area of expertise it's one of the areas i've had a lot of experience in, but it's not a core part of my business he goes yeah but but you're doing that you're missing out on money you're leaving money on the table and i said no I believe in adding value to people first. The more you add value to people, the more they will come back to you. Just because you teach someone how to do something doesn't mean they want to do it. They'll look at that and go, "Actually, now that I know all of this, you're the person that, you know, isn't trying to, you know, pull the wool over my eyes. You're not trying to mislead me. I totally trust working with you because, you know, you've shown me all these inside secrets and I don't want to do it myself. Can you help?" So so I had to kind of get their head around the fact that I believe in, in sowing and reaping. I believe in karma. You know, the more good you do, the more good comes back to you. It's just fact. Um, so that's how I kind of built that community up. But the network, this is the key one. And for me, it is about how can you add value to your network? And there are a couple of kind of cool ways of doing this. Um, one of them, really important one, was setting up my podcast. I knew when I when I launched the podcast, there there was a number of different motivations to launching it. One of them was the fact that you know I used to work on radio. I was an on-air announcer at our biggest radio station here for a number of years, and absolutely loved that. That was my dream job. It's just the lack of pay wasn't very dreamy, that's for sure. (laughs) But the rest of the job was really really cool. So launching a podcast got me back to what I'm passionate about and what I love. But also, I knew that I had some specific goals I wanted to achieve. One of those was to elevate my thought leadership. So that was to give me a platform to be able to talk about my areas of expertise, et cetera. So I knew that was going to achieve it. And guess what? It totally did that. Giant tick there. Not a problem. The other thing is I knew I wanted to generate some leads from that. However, I also knew that it's kind of difficult to generate leads on a podcast because of the nature of when people are listening to a podcast. Like when you're listening to this, you're likely going for a walk or run. You're driving. You're in the shower. You're not usually sitting in front of your computer doing work and clicking on links. So you have to be very compelling in the way that you sell to people on there or the way that you generate those leads, you've got to give them value. But the other thing, and this was um, the real, the, probably the real value I found in being, having a podcast was it gave me a way to reach out to people. It gave me a way to say, hey, you're an expert in this area. I would love to interview you on my show. And for them, they're just like, oh, wow, this person wants to add value to me by giving me exposure to their audience. Yes. Uh, In fact, the only time I've only ever been turned down about three times, Uh, one of those was because the person was too insecure and just felt like they weren't going to add value to my audience. and, And I understand that. Uh, another one was um because the person was too important that was their words not mine uh too important and my audience wasn't quite big enough at the time I think at the time I was only in the top 10% of podcasts but uh no I only only accept ones in the top 5% Mm. now I'm in the top 5% I'm like screw you you're not coming on my show (laughs) so um but the other reason I got turned down by someone was because um I jumped on a call with it no it's just an audio only call and I was like, yeah, I'd love to have you on my show. And also, I was running a summit at the time. I'd love to have my summit. And she was like, oh, I'd love to, Vince, but uh, there's this weird noise. I'm like, what the hell was that? Like, where are you? And then you could hear these beeping noises. And I'm like, Wait a minute! She goes, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Vince. I just I need to go. I'm actually uh, in labor at the moment." And I'm like, "Well, that's a pretty good reason to not oh be on my God. podcast." And also, why the hell are you taking my call while you're yeah. in, the hospital, in labor? And she's like, "Oh, you know, I'm trying to get some work done." <laughs> so she's an amazing woman, like honestly, a machine. Um, but it really does give you a way to reach out to people you wouldn't get access to, and that network is the network that's going to serve you. Um, honestly, I can tell you that guests that have been on my show. I never intended it to, to be a way to sell to those guests. But a lot of them have actually signed as clients because they see the value I add to them. And then they go, actually, Vince, I, I really need your help. And I'm like, uh, I get really nervous about it, Haley." I'm like, well, that's not the purpose of the podcast. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to sell to you. And they're like, oh, shut up, Vince. I need you to help me. Okay, sure. So they either get me to coach them on visibility or they get me to help publish a book or, or get them to be part of one of my collaboration books, et cetera. Or the other thing is they know a bunch of people that would be a potential audience for me. And I'm like, well, let's work out a deal. Let's do a collaboration. You know, I can give you a commission on everyone from your audience that comes in and they and they love that kind of thing because they get to make some money off adding, like they know I'm going to add value to the audience, but they benefit from that as well. So, so building that network has been really important, but I'll give you a hack. And this is a really like, honestly, this is giving you some inside secrets into what I do here. Um, but one of the things I realized is I love empowering people and I love making people feel encouraged and inspired, which means I get them on my show and that gives me a connection with them, etc. But I want to make sure that that connection goes well beyond that. So often um, I actually schedule time each week, um, just about 15 minutes to 20 minutes to leave 15 to 20 voicemails on um, Messenger. Uh, for people just saying, "Hey, just want to let you know, I'm so glad we're connected. Um, I, I think you're awesome. I was so happy you are on my show. I love the work you do around this, um, and just yeah, really want to just thank you for being you, and just leave them some form of encouragement. I can tell you now that goes such a long way. Um, I did it originally just to go, "Hey, I want to inspire people," and uh, I did it on International Women's Day, but I didn't want to do. I got that
0: message. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: got that one as well um but because the main thing for me is i didn't want to do something tokenistic and you know post international women's day here's all the amazing women out there um because it just feels a bit forced from a a, you know from an old white male but i thought no screw that i'm going to do something a bit more personal i'm actually just going to message a pile of people and and let them know that i think they're awesome and that's why you got yours Haley, because you are awesome um, in doing so, the amount of feedback I got from people, um, not just the International Women's Day one, but also you know other messages I've got, um, it just so happens that every time I do that, it seems to be that some of the people I send the messages to desperately needed to hear it in that moment. And when you're there for people in their time of need, and you're there for people that are having a really bad day, and you provide some sense of encouragement, their perception of you has shifted. And when they think of you, they think of you in a really positive light. And that's why it feels like, Haley, when you you met me, that I know everyone. It's because I make a purpose of actually reaching out to people and making them feel special. And they remember that. And as a result, I'm consistently, like I get about 50 uh, pitches a week to be on my show, on my main podcast, the Chasing the Insights one get about 50 um, pitches a week. Most of those from, you know, p- pitching agency and podcast agencies. And you're like, oh, it's just done so impersonally. They all need to come to you and learn how to do it properly. Um, but then I get people that go, hey, Vince, I was thinking of you. And this person would be great for your show because you really encouraged me in this time. And I think they, they could either use it themselves or they're very aligned with your DNA. And the people I get to meet through that network, through that extended network, have gone on to become some of my really good friends. I mean, you and I, um, Haley. I'm so glad that we met because um, you are genuinely one of the good ones out there and you and I became good friends and same with some of the others as well. I've got people that will call me three times a week just to check in and make sure everything's good and bounce, bounce some ideas off me and I've never met these people. These are all my online network, you know. Um, to be fair though, I pretty much live in this office here at the moment. <laughs> I very rarely get out. We are at the bottom end of the world, so... But yeah, it's absolutely important. So you've got to cultivate that network and you need to put the effort in. It's really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that was your why all along. And you've reached that. That was your why of why you wanted to leave your corporate job to actually help people connect with people. And I love those voice messages. I think I've gotten (laughs) from you and I'm always like, you're so sweet. Like, I love that so much. Like, that's what definitely makes... You stand out in my inbox, right? Like I get so many messages of you need to do this, hire me for this. this
1: uh, Yeah. But then
0: you give me these messages of just encouragement. And I think it's amazing.
1: I I will tell you this though, like honestly, because I I love my job, you know that. And I I love love the people I connect with and things. And um, but I can never compete with my wife. Um, so my wife is an addictions counselor, or now she's a counselor working with young children and things, helping them through grief and stuff. And she just has the, the most amazing work stories where she literally saves people's lives. But I remember sitting there, I went to pick her up from work one day and I'm sitting in the car and listening to these voice messages. I've got all these voice messages from clients and from networks and from everything just saying, oh my goodness, Vince, the work that you did with me, I've managed to sign my biggest client. I'm I'm freaking out right now, but I'm buzzing. I'm so happy. And well, Vince, I just got the physical copies of my book and oh my goodness, I'm, just, I'm crying right now. My husband's so proud of me and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm sitting there in the car and I've got these tears streaming down my face um, because I feel that sense of fulfillment. And, and that's, you know, sounds really selfish. You know, I'm helping all these other people, but I'm getting so much enjoyment out of that. And I'm sitting there and my wife comes in the car and she goes, what's going on? She looks at me with these tears down my face. was listen to this. And I played the voice message and she goes, oh, that's sweet. I saved two people's life today. And I went, oh, damn it. <laughs> so, oh I can never compete with her. But it, oh it is my
0: gosh.
1: yeah, it is such a sense of fulfillment as well. And you've got to love what you do. And you've got to love the people in your network as well. And even like, I'm a high extrovert. I'm very conscious of that. Mm. But I know introverts that do an even better job than I do of this, you know, where they're just consistently just encouraging and building your network and get methodical about it. Put it in your calendar like actually write a list of people you want to connect with or write a list of people that you want to encourage or people that you want to build those relationships more. Trust me, it works. Just, you know, just put it in there, reach out to them, leave them those messages. Voice messages are always good because they hear Mm -hmm. your voice. And when they hear your voice, they also hear your authenticity. And it means they're not accidentally misinterpreting what you're saying as well, which is really important. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, growing your network is so much more than just gaining a bunch of followers or getting a bunch of podcast listeners your network is actually people that you talk to. Like, yeah. you have to keep up with them. It's not someone that you talk to once. Like, And that's where I see a lot of people with their podcast. They interview so many people. They have like hundreds of episodes. I'm mm. like, okay, did you talk to them this one time and then never again? And I think yeah. that's a really like common mistake when it comes to yeah. working really.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you got to look at how you're adding value to them. And yeah you know, so one one of the things I do is, you know, obviously, you know, I have people on my show, but I also run summits. And that's a lot of work, by the way. And I've, I've, I've got a summit coming up later this year, but I've actually paused it at the moment, because it's too much work. And I don't want to burn out. But running these summits gives you another way to reach out to that network and say, hey, you were a great guest on my show. Love that we have connected love that you've been in my network. Um, I would love you to speak at the summit as well. And that that's a huge thing for people. Like they look at that and go, oh, wow, that is such an honor and a privilege. And they come in there. And again, you, I mean, you get the benefit of running a summit. You get money from that summit. You build audiences from that summit. But at the same time, you're reconnecting with that network and you're adding more value to them. Uh, in fact, it's something that I, I teach um, most of my clients, um, Haley is uh, I, ca- I had to come up with an acronym for it because you, know, you kind of just have to do that sometimes so people remember it. But it's the simplest concept in the world. It's called the Align Method. And it's how you can connect with anybody in your network, right? And here's here's how fancy it is really. A stands for assess because you need to do your homework. And what I mean by that is the amount of cold DMs I get from people where it's like, hey, I see that you're into the systemized approach to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? A, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> B, you can tell you copy and pasted that out to like, you know, 10,000 different people. Um, so assess what they're actually into, assess who they are, like actually know them you know, in that sense. Then you get to the next piece, which is L, and that is Lord them, as in L-A-U-D, which means to show them respect, right? One of the common issues I see with people reaching out in their networks, as they go out there and go, I can help you to achieve blah, 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 blah. Well, that kind of says that that person can't achieve that without you. Or it kind of says, actually, I know more than you. It's almost talking down in some cases. Actually take the time to acknowledge them and to show them some respect. And then you get into the next two parts, which is the I and the G. Uh, I is initiate value. In other words, you've got to add value to them. And then G is give more value. And until you've done that, until you've really done your research on them, you've shown them some respect, you've added value, and then you've added more value, then you get to the last part, which is the N, which is now you've got the opportunity to ask them something. So you've actually got to put that work in first and give more than you receive. And trust me, it all balances itself out in the end. And I I did this with, um, uh, I'm going to give some inside secrets here, but I did this with uh, John Lee Dumas. Uh, So I wanted John on my show. And I know that John gets like 400 pitches a month. Like it's just ridiculous how many people want him on their show. I also know that he only accepts like eight, I think it is per month. Uh, And you have to pay. Um, You have to pay to get him as a guest on your show, which makes sense. It's his time. It's really valuable. He's got a huge reputation, but I'm like, nah, I don't want to pay. <laughs> also, I knew that to apply to get him on the show, you had to do like a four-page application where you've got to give all your stats and all your social followings and proof of all these things. I'm like, oh, no, this doesn't sit with me, I'm but I'm relational. I'd rather just connect with him. If he wants to be on my show, he'll be on there. So I thought I'm going to use the align method just so I can show my students and show all the people I'm coaching how it works. So I typed up an email knowing that that email would go to his team, not to him. Uh, And I typed up the email and just said, look, um, first of all, I just really wanna thank you. Uh, I wanna thank you for um, the work that you do and the free stuff that you've done, which really helped me to launch my podcast. I can genuinely say it wouldn't be where it is today if I didn't have the the basics from you and have that groundwork stuff from you. Um, You know, I just really respect you. And I think you've contributed so much to this industry. So, and I talked very specifically and then I wrote a couple of things as well. And then I said, look, uh, I know you're incredibly busy and I know you get requests all the time, but I really do think my audience would get huge value out of hearing your expertise. So I'd love to have you as a guest on my show. So I typed this up and I did this in real time, showing my clients. And I'm like, right, they'll jump on a call. And I showed them how I'm using the Align method to do this. Uh, We finished the call two hours later. I actually went to bed and, and couldn't sleep, woke up, came back and there was an email from him. It had been passed on from his team to him and he goes Vince I would absolutely love to be on your show let's make this happen Mm -hmm. and that came from showing respect it came from doing your research on the person showing them respect adding value and adding value and the way I added value in there to him was I said you know there's an audience that I think would really benefit from hearing from you Um, and also I can't remember the other one there was oh I wanted to connect him to somebody else which I thought would be really beneficial to him turned out he already knew the person but it's just about adding value to them. So mm-hmm. that's why the voicemails really do work.
0: Mm, that's awesome. I love that. I love that a lot. And that's so cool that you show your clients exactly what you're doing. I think that that's a it,
1: it can be Yeah,
0: exactly. Cause you know, if you as a coach aren't doing it and you're like oh do this do this your clients are going to be like what the heck i don't yeah. have time it for was that. it
1: was so funny i was showing them uh, i did a live demo on how to do research on people mm-hmm. on linkedin so it's said sort of like, how here's how to find yeah. and i used like a top down bottom up approach so i said right top down we work five contacts and then we go bottom up five becomes 25 top down that 25 become you know 25 times five, whatever that is. <laughs> I can't do math. Um, but I was showing them how to do this and things. And I said, and now we're going to use that template. We're going to use this to actually, uh, you know, show you this method. So we're looking at someone's profile, I was looking at what they're into, looking at the connections they had that were similar, looking for a reason to connect with them. Send them a connection request. And they said, now we obviously have to wait. And while I'm talking to them, ding. That person accepted the exception, uh, the request, and said, Oh man, so good to meet you. And I'm like, Oh, okay, now I get to show you the next part. And literally, we were having I had like three different live conversations all going at the same yeah. time while showing my clients, and all three of them converted. I was like, Okay, well, this is crazy. This normally doesn't happen that well. <laughs> so, you know, so <laughs> my nice clients day. were like, Wow. <laughs> and then I mean, I felt like I should kind of let, let them know that normally it doesn't actually work that well. Like, yeah. <laughs> out of 10, you'll get one, not all three. Well,
0: That's amazing. There you go. That's awesome. (laughs) The last thing I want to talk with you about, because I know we're coming up on the hour, is you have so many things going on, and I kind of want you to run through them. Like you're an author, you help publish other people, but you also do stuff with NFTs and this summit you're talking about. So I think in business, it's super important to stay flexible and be open to new opportunities. But still staying consistent. So even though you're adding all these different things to your brand, you're still the same business, you're still the same person, like you're keeping everything consistent. So what are some tips on how you do that?
1: Um, The first thing is you've got to be open, like you said, you've got to be open to new opportunities. You've also got to be open to closing opportunities. And this Mm. is a really important one. So when, like, If I go back to last year, um, last year, my primary focus, I had my one-to-one coaching. Uh, this is where I work with a lot of kind of higher profile entrepreneurs to help them to be visible. We usually build out their thought leadership platform, show them how to, like we've got the what true thought leadership is, and then we've got the, the 11 pillars that I have underneath that of perceived thought leadership, which helps to elevate this. So I teach them all this methodology and, and help them to position themselves So that was a core focus. My second core focus was my academy. And this is where I run through earlier stage entrepreneurs. It's an accelerator program where we teach them all about everything from creating landing pages and copy that sells and things like that, to outreach, to doing live research on this, to getting your messaging right and all those kind of things. Um, So those are my two primary focuses, as well as building my audience, my own audience, through my podcast, through the books that I publish, um, et cetera. The other thing I had in the background was my publishing company. And I really set this up by mistake. Um, So I set this up because I found a really good developmental editor and a really good proofreader for my own book, uh, which is not as easy as it sounds, by the way. It's hard to find the right ones. And when I found them, I'm like, this is perfect. Well, I'm writing my next book now. I'd love you guys to work on that as well. And both of them said, yeah, we'll see if we can fit you in. I'm like, wait, what? It's not guaranteed that you'll work with me okay, how about I make you an offer and you can work for me full time? And they're like, what will we do? I don't know. We'll figure something out. So I made them an offer, got them on board. And then I realized that a lot of my clients will want to become authors. So rather than teaching them self-publishing and things, we can do a lot of that stuff for them. So so that birthed the publishing company. But it really was just working in the background. And it was something that like last year, I helped about 20 of my clients become authors. But when we got to the end of last year, I looked at what were the things that really lit me up? And this is the kind of key to this, is looking at where your business is at, what were the things that you really felt took away from your business, and what were the things that you really loved? And for me, one of the things I realized is there are so many different areas I can add value outside of my academy program that I felt like that was the thing that was becoming an anchor. So I decided I was going to wind down my academy program uh, and work more one-on-one with people, but also do more with my publishing company. I also realized that the highlight of my year, there was two highlights of my year last year, or the two, not so much highlights, but the two things I enjoyed the most. One of them is every time one of my clients held their book up and they're on Zoom with me and they go, I've got a physical copy of the book. And you see that smile. That's not just their, their mouth smiling, it's their eyes smiling, their whole face lighting up. I'm like, that is the coolest feeling ever. I want more of that. So I thought I helped 20 of my clients. I want to scale the work I do this year. Um, And then the other thing that really lit me up was new technology and looking at creative ways to help my clients to stand out. Um, And a lot of that, you know, I was looking at a lot of blockchain technology because I was working on a lot of that when I was at Cigna. Uh, We were redeveloping whole systems based on blockchain and things. And NFTs came into existence. And I'm like, well, these just don't seem logical at all. In fact, I missed out, um, Haley, for anyone that knows NFTs, when Board Eight Yacht Club came out, I was like... I don't really like the artwork. I'm not really keen on these things. Ah, oh, I'm going to pass on that. And of course, now I think the minimum you can buy these things is $150,000. I'm like, damn it! I should have bought a whole pile of them. I would be rich by now, or richer, you know. But for me, it was starting to understand the application of these things and how the smart contracts that sit under these could really benefit entrepreneurs. And I get really geeky about that stuff. So those are the two parts of my business that really lit me up, and I really enjoyed. So I decided, how can I bring them into the fold? So that's where, you know, this year we've wound down the Academy program. So like I said, you've got to be open to closing things, but you've got to be open to new opportunities. So I decided we were going to scale the publishing work. We were going to actually bring the publishing company more into the forefront rather than working behind the scenes. Uh, And we were going to set a target of helping 200 entrepreneurs to become authors this year. And which we're I think we're almost at already. So that's been a huge thing for me. And then NFTs, uh, I was looking at NFTs as case studies of going how can we do, like, do an experiment over here about using NFTs for my upcoming summit and use that as a case study for entrepreneurs to show them. And in doing all of that, actually a passion project came out of it. And this was because... One of the books I was working on, I actually wrote a book about 15 years ago, which was a children's book, uh, when we tried to tell my son about Santa Claus. And he's just like, nah, that's a stretch. So we wrote this story. We told him the truth about Santa and, and, and wrote this story called The Christmas Ninja. And it really was about trying to teach my kids that they could do so much more than just behaving themselves and getting rewarded. Because that really grieved me about any of the, particularly the secular Christmas story, get on the nice list, don't upset the elf on the shelf, blah, blah, blah. And and really, when we say to kids, behave themselves, let's get real, we're just saying to them, do what you're told. And I thought, I want my kids to aspire to so much more than just doing what their parents or teachers or employers or leaders tell them. I want them to aspire to be great human beings. So we wrote this story and a Christmas Ninja story combined all the Christmas traditions, et cetera. And it became our family tradition where every year we look for somebody who's worthy of the traits of the Christmas Ninja. So this is honor, respect, courage, compassion, self-sacrifice. So that's where that all came from. And I thought, I really want to put this kid's book. I want to publish this kid's book this year. It's been a, something I wanted to do for a long time. So I teamed up with this absolutely beautiful artist and uh, we started working on it. And she has this, this passion about it to help other people. And I was like, man, what if, we, what if we launched an NFT series based on this? What would that look like? What could we do? We looked at what the impact of this family tradition has had on us, where we've got to recognize people that demonstrate those behaviors. It's actually shifted our outlook about other people. It's actually reprogrammed our entire reticular activating system to say, hey, let's look for the good in others. I'm like, oh my goodness. So we decided to launch something that's going to have a positive social change in things as well. But that sounds like a deviation from what I normally do because we've got this side project there. I've I've built a team of about 13 or forty. I think we're up to about 14 or 15, actually, people that are working on this project. Um, But it feels like a deviation from doing marketing and visibility. However, it's also a giant use case and a giant case study of how you can use NFTs for behavioral change or to drive the right behaviors with your clients. So so it's really being um, – that was my long way of saying – I'm doing a lot of different stuff i'm doing summits i'm doing uh i run a second podcast now called the nft ninjas which is around educating people about uh, nfts we do regular five-day challenges every three weeks to teach people over a course of five days about nfts and at the end of it we give them a free nft um launching a number of different projects in that area the publishing company all that kind of stuff but it really comes down to um being open to new opportunities and being open to closing old opportunities as well.
0: Mm, yeah, totally. I love that. That's awesome. And you just have so much going on, but you manage it all so well, and you're helping so many people.
1: <laughs> oh, um, it's all it's all all the disguise. Honestly, all the
0: disguise. Good, all <laughs> <bad
1: guys>. Yeah, <laughs> lots of coffee, lack of sleep, and a well. It's a good
0: of- disguise. No one knows, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Vince, I wrap up every episode with you, the guest, sharing three actionable steps that the audience can start with today to move their business forward or whatever it may be, podcasting, marketing, business as a whole. (laughs) What do you challenge the audience to do?
1: Okay, three things. Here we go. Number one, you've already got a network. Whether you know it or not, you've got a network. Write down the names on that network. And I want you to schedule, maybe start with an hour. Just take an hour out of your week and just leave, you know, in an hour, you could leave 60 different voice messages, but even just aim for maybe 30 or 40. Leave voice messages for people, encouraging them, thanking them for being in your network, um, letting them know why they're important to you. And not just because they're potential clients, et cetera, but just letting them know that you actually see them, that you hear them, you respect them and encourage them. So that's one thing I would highly encourage all of you to do. Honestly, the payoff from that is incredible. Um, the other thing I would encourage you to do is talk to your clients. And you should be doing this as constantly and consistently as you possibly can. And by that, I don't mean just go in and tell them about something you do. I mean, actually listen to them, mm-hmm. ask them stories, to get them to tell you about things. Um, like if you've got a product that you're looking to launching or a course you're looking to um, launch or something, actually go to them and say, hey, just want to query you. Like last time you bought a course, what was that course? So tell me about, what, what were you feeling when you bought that? What made you even think about buying a course? Um, You know, what were you looking at? What what made you run away from some courses, run towards that course? Just record that session. Ask as much information and get as many stories painted as you can. It's going to give you a wealth of information, not just around their motivations of why, but it's also going to give you the language that they use. The words they use are very important. That's going to become your marketing material. And the second thing I want, the third thing rather I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself, what is the value that you're adding to your clients? Not just like, say, for example, you're selling a course, all right, you're selling a course, then a course is really about education, okay? Um, and that's not that's adding a small amount of value to someone. You're giving them some knowledge, but what's the real value you're adding to them? What is the sense of accomplishment they have when they're doing that, or what is the the feeling that they have when they're finished uh, with whatever product service or offering that you're selling? Like what is the emotional benefit of what you're doing? Like what does it say about them when they buy your products? So actually try to get inside the emotive part of their brain, the limbic system, and actually ask yourself, what's the value you're adding to them as a person, not just to them as a business. So yeah, hopefully that explained what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah,
0: Totally, I love those so much. Where can people connect with you?
1: Oh, it's so difficult to find me. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> really easy. Go to chasingtheinsights.com. That is the home of my podcast, my main podcast. It's also the home of my books. It's also where you'll see some really important links. You'll see a link to book a free strategy call with me. I highly encourage you to do that. There's no obligation. I, I was going to say, I don't really sell in that call. I usually forget to even mention how I help people in that call. I just get so passionate about giving you clarity. So, if you've got any marketing challenge, you want to write a book and you're not sure if it'll work or those kind of things, just book some time with me. I'm a great sounding board. You'll also see links to everywhere on social that can connect with me. Um, Unless you're a spammer, please do connect with me. I love meeting new people, love answering your questions, et cetera. And you're also going to see a link to the free five-day NFT challenge. If you want to learn about technology and forget what you know about NFTs, forget the speculative nature of them, the investment side of it, the JPEG selling for millions of dollars, that kind of thing. If you want to learn how you can use technology in Web3 to really benefit your clients, uh, then definitely come and join us in that five-day challenge. It is quite inspirational because you'll learn so many things that you didn't realize about um, how NFTs can add value to your business.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, I will put all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. I love talking to you. This is been- Haley, it is oh, always <laughs> a
1: good <one>. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, anytime you and I get to chat to catch up, um, I get inspired as well. Um, like I said, you're one of the good ones out there. You're one of the ones who know what they're talking about as well. So anyone listening to this podcast, you guys are doing it you're doing the right thing listening to Haley. okay trust me on that one
0: you're so sweet awesome well this has been so much fun thank you Go, cool. cheers thank you for listening to the employee to boss podcast if you made it to the end of this episode i hope that you implement the actionable steps from this week's experts so you can get started with your business today Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Employee to Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps more than you could ever imagine. Remember, a little progress each day leads to big results. We come out with a new episode every Tuesday. To access our show notes, transcripts, and courses, please check out EspressoPodcastProduction.com.